Now this is, as Brother Jerry has already mentioned, this is day number one of what has come to be a, a wonderful tradition here at Alamo City for the last probably three decades or so in the life of this church where we try to set aside early in the year a week. It's not always the same week in January. Sometimes it's even been early February. But we try to set aside a time early in the year where we give ourselves collectively but individually to seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then as Jesus says, all these other things that can pull at us and cause us to be so anxious and filled with worry, what we're going to dress with, what we're going to put on, what we're going to shelter ourselves with, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink. You seek first the kingdom of God, Jesus said, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. You get your focus right, you get your focus clear and determined and steady. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then the Lord will see to it that these other things are taken care of. That's what he's saying. So this is day one of, of four days, but we're praying that, uh, as we do each year, that this will not just be a four-day event, but this will be an encouragement of a practice, encouragement of the development of a powerful and effective and fruitful spiritual habit, a fruitful spiritual habit that we will exercise and implement throughout the rest of the year. As we've been saying over these last few weeks, when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, he understands that you can't have a kingdom unless you have a king. And so he is saying clearly to us, you look for, you seek until you find the presence of the king, the presence of the king. Now, folks, this is important to keep in mind, that the Lord would never have had to implemented that amazing gift to the church, speaking specifically of the invisible presence of Jesus to indwell the hearts of every believer in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of Jesus would never have had to be given if the intent of the Lord was not for us to feel and to sense his presence. He could have just given the Holy Spirit for the purpose of writing scripture, for the purpose occasionally and wonderfully of doing miraculous interventions, empowering Moses and, and validating his, his claims on the children of Israel against Pharaoh um, by doing all the things that Moses was able to do with his outstretched rod and so forth. He, he could have done those things without sending the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and on the day of your personal Pentecost, receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord, and then being filled with his Spirit. He only did that so that you would have the opportunity of feeling his presence inside your chest. 
he could have written the scripture without sending the indwelling presence of Jesus. But he sent the indwelling presence of Jesus. Keep in mind, too, that there were 1,500 years of the church where there was no printed copy of the New Testament or the Old Testament. It wasn't until the time around the during the Protestant Reformation and the translation, the popular translations that were going on of taking the Scripture out of the original languages and out of and buried in Latin and bringing it into readable languages for the people. It wasn't until the printing press was developed in Germany specifically for the purpose not of printing newspapers and secular books, but of printing the Scripture to be able to put in the hands of people in the pews of the churches. 1,500 years and no Bible, no copy of the Scripture. How did the church make it? You, you couldn't send a new convert home and tell him to read the Gospel of John because there was no copy of the Gospel of John for 1,500 years. There were no fill-in-the-blank discipleship manuals available. Nothing could be printed. No copies of the Scripture. How did the church make it without a copy of the Bible? They made it because Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Paul would write, it is Christ in you that is your hope of glory. Jesus would say, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. For 1,500 years, there was nothing more than sheep hearing the voice of the shepherd and following his voice. Some way, somehow, they knew that he was speaking to their hearts. Not that he had spoken to John, not that he had just spoken to Peter or Paul, but that some way, somehow, his presence was made known to them in such a way that they would know, this is the voice of my Savior. I've heard a voice behind me saying, this is the way walk in it when I've turned to the left or to the right. His presence, his presence Now, I don't want anybody to get mad at me and brand me as a heretic. I know I'm not, but because this is going to sound so challenging to sometimes maybe what we think, you may think I'm a heretic, but it's it's not heresy. Don't confuse the written scripture with the presence of God. Don't assume that just because somebody has mastered even in the original languages, and can go forth with, with great excellence and expertise to systematic theologies of all kinds of things, eschatology and soteriology and 
on and on and on, that just because they can quote the Scripture, that they necessarily are walking in and knowing the presence of God. Paul will say, be careful of knowledge because knowledge will puff you up. And it's sad to say, but sometimes mean people can quote Scripture. Don't say amen. Don't say amen. Hard, hard-nosed, hard-headed people can just blow you away with how they can go from the table of contents to the maps. But you wonder, where's a heart? Where's the heart of God? Folks, listen. When you're in the presence of God, you're touched by, you're affected by his heart. And Paul would say, it's not the law. The letter of the law kills, but it is the spirit. It is the spirit. It is the spirit who gives life. So this week, there is one simple focus. It's not complicated. You don't have to have always grown up in church to get this. You don't have to have a degree in Bible from some college. It's just one thing. It is to set aside some time and give ourselves with energy to the seeking of the presence of the King. You say, well, he's everywhere present. Not talking about that. Not talking about God everywhere all at the same time. I'm talking about the felt presence of God. The measurable, known to you, that somebody else is in the room. Somebody is here. And he's infinitely bigger than I am. He's massively smarter than I am. He's the king. The king of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. And it is before him that I bow my heart. It is both before him that I unload my needs, my burdens, my concerns, the anxious places. And in his presence to cast all my cares, my anxious places upon him because he cares for me. And I want to show you, please, if you'll walk with me through some brief passages of Scripture that hammer home how vitally it is, is important, of importance to us as individual believers to realize how significant, how necessary our time alone with him sensing his presence so that we can hear his voice, so that our hearts can be encouraged just by knowing that he's near, to maybe 
hear a warning from him. Don't, like we've all here, we've heard, heard the businessman say a long time ago, his daddy told him this and he never forgot it. And he did well in business by heeding his daddy's advice. He said, my daddy told me, it's not the good deals you miss, it's the bad deals you take that can eat your lunch financially. What if the Lord who cares about the business part of you? There's no dimension, no file folder of our lives that he doesn't care about. What if, what if in the quiet place, in the time alone with him and his presence, it would be in his heart to warn you, stay away from that. Gather up your loins about you and leave the back door. Get out of Dodge. You don't need that. What if the one who knows everything and the one who cares more about you than you or I could ever imagine, who's the lover of our soul, what if he wants to give to us practical information that will help us and take care of us and guide our steps, but we've got to be willing to back away, to lay down, to put the car in park, turn the key off, take the hand off the wheel of everything we're trying to drive and carry and the multiple U-Hauls behind our vehicle of life and just be still in his presence. We're in his presence. You're nobody's boss. You're just his son. You're just his daughter. We're in his presence. You don't have to answer any questions about anything that you don't even have a clue what the solution would be. You're just his child. And if he doesn't say anything that's strong to you, but just the sense of knowing that you're loved by the king of all the earth, it's enough after just a few minutes of that to have regained a measure of perspective on who you are, in spite of what the world is saying, in spite of what people who are mad at you are saying, in spite of folks who think more highly of you than you know they ought to think of you. But you're in his presence and that sense of being able to rest, being able to let go, knowing that you have permission to be still, to let go, relax in his presence for he is God. If I were to offer you a simple process that would result in more joy, deeper peace, greater effectiveness in 2018, would you take it? Would you take it? More joy, deeper peace, more effectiveness, would you take it? One simple pursuit. Seek first, seek most the presence of the king. Would you find your way to Psalm number 16? Psalm number 16. I want you to notice with me, please, how strategically important 
this priority is in the lives of God's people as examples for us. Psalm 16, verse 8. David, a head of state, king, I have set the Lord continually before me. He has to mean, because of what he's going to say to me, I have set the Lord's presence continually before me. In spite of all the people who are chewing on me, all the people who want advice, counsel, decisions from me, out of all the ones who want to physically stand in my presence, here is what I have chosen to do. I have chosen to set the Lord's presence stronger, more clear, more decisive, more influential on me than any other human voice. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. Look at this. I will not be shaken. Not because alone I'm so brave, alone I'm so strong, alone I'm so sturdy, but it's because the Lord is at my right hand and on the basis of his presence I shall not be shaken. Sometimes we wonder why do I flip-flop so much around? Why am I prone to chase this? And why am I prone to lean in this direction? Why do people seem to have such powerful influence on me? When I can know on the one hand they're just people, they're just humans, but their voices seem so big. Wanting their prover, approval seems so important to me. Why is that? It could very well be because we have never chosen to do. We have never taken the steps necessary to do what David did. I have set the Lord continually before. His is the first face. His is the first opinion that I see or that I seek. And because of that, I'll not be shaken. I'll not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. Verse 11, thou wilt make known to me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Where is it? Does he have to go to the Swiss Alps? Does he have to find his way into a gazillion dollars in order to find the joy? No. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy, what David said. The deepest kind that can't be stolen by men, that can't be determined the quality of by the culture. I've made it my choice to seek 
and to set the Lord, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate fulfillment and expression of that word, Paul clarifies. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I'm seeking the Lord first. I'm seeking the Lord, which means you can't be seeking everything else first. It, it, it cries out to us with a choice that has to be made. I choose to set him first. I choose to pursue his presence. I choose to seek what pleases him more than what pleases another human. But he says, and I love it, you know, you, you're not going to keep going to somebody who's mad at you. I mean, you may have to just to be nice to a member of your family, but you know they're ticked. Every time your name comes out, they just want to spit. You're going to have to make yourself go there. There's nothing in you that's going to be drawn to want to be there. But you know what? When there's the sense of the Lord's presence, and that translates into joy for you, You'll go there even when nobody knows you're going there. You'll go there when you're not even being paid a dollar to go there. You'll go there because you find joy there. And it's a joy not of this world. David's not writing this in the middle of everything being smooth for him. He knew about war. He knew about conflict. He knew about being surrounded in a besieged city. He knew about betrayal. All of that's still a part of life. But there was one place where he found joy as a constant, a place of encouragement as a steady stream. And it was in the presence of his king. One thing, this is Psalm 27, one thing I have asked from the Lord, one thing, one thing, one thing, David says, one thing I've asked from the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Saying that I may dwell in the presence of the Lord. God, my life is richer. My life is better, even though stuff is hard on the rest and the rest of the parts. My life has goodness to it. My life has fulfillment to it. I can stay the course. I can fulfill my destiny with the sense of your presence, with the sense of your presence, with the sense of your presence. Folks, it's not an academic thing. It's not a cranial thing. It is a felt thing. It is a felt thing. This kind of knowing the presence of God is something that is felt. It is not something that is just academically ascertained. Go back to it again. Otherwise, why would the Lord have given the Holy Spirit to indwell the church? He had already allowed Scripture to be written. Isn't it just words on a page? Isn't it just truths to be mastered? Isn't it just books to be read and cataloged? No. <laughs> he wants you to know and to feel his presence in your life no matter where you are, 
no matter who you're with, no matter what. That in that place, that place that we have permission to back away and back into, I don't have my hands on the steering wheel. I'm not trying to drive anything here. I'm backed up. And I have permission to rest in his presence. Trusting him with everything that can make me anxious, everything that I may be responsible for, I'm giving that to him. I'm handing that to him. He's not expecting me to come before him with this bucket full of all these things that I'm responsible for as if he sees me as one with my burdens. He sees me as free from my burdens. He sees me as separate from. In his presence, I have opportunity there to unload on him the things that have been making me anxious, the things that are heavy in responsibilities to me. But in his presence, there was the sense that I understand what he knows about me. I am not God. I am not God. I can't fix people. I, I can't make people think the right way. I, I, can't, I can't reverse what's already happened. I, I can't do for the future what folks would want the future to look like. Bless God in his presence. I am just who I am. A sinner saved by his grace. One upon whom he is crowned with his favor, with his mercy, with his goodness. Washed in the blood of Jesus. Drenched in the spirit of God. Drawn by the power of the Spirit into his loving presence. And I can just be who I am and not have to be who I'm not. Folks, listen. When that settles in, when that settles in, and there is a place like that that you can go to, you go there. You find yourself being drawn. Now, that's what David was saying. I've set the Lord continually before me. Because he's at my right hand, I'll not be moved. But here's what I found. That in the presence of the king is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Folks, that's what this week is all about. This is not about giving you a prayer formula to get all your debts paid. Get a Mercedes parked in three different homes. To have a luxury aircraft that you can just trip all of you where you want to go all around the world. And you can just get off the plane talking about how blessed you are of God. This isn't about that. But this is about something far more wonderful than that. Something far greater than that. Well, you may, you may keep driving the same Toyota till the day you go to heaven. But on the front seat, park 
parked over under a shade tree with your hands off that wheel and your heart and your head lifted up toward heaven. You are filled with the joy and pleasure of God in your life. You know, when you get there, riches and stuff won't ruin you. But the love of money, even if you try to trap it in all kinds of scriptures and God intends this and God intends that, try that on Peter who died penniless. Try that on Paul who died without anything other than just a coat. It's got to be more than that. The wealth of this world is trinkets in comparison to the true treasures of the other world that he wants his children to walk in. So if he blesses with much and bunches, amen. Thank you, Lord. But I knew you loved me. Well, I was having to trust you that my tires would stay up. I walked in the joy of God before I ever had my house where I'd want my house to be. He's not a one-dimensional deity. He's the lover of our souls, and he is the lover of our souls who wants companionship with the loved. So if this week isn't about anything other, then you realize and you have permission to step back away from responsibilities, away from the things that you feel like, we can feel like we've got to fix or they won't get fixed. We've got to handle or they won't get handled. Step back and we lay it down in the presence of our King. And we're seeking His presence more than the answer to these points of anxiety that have been He's bigger in that hour than those needs that can press upon us. It's not that he doesn't care. It's not that he is not moved by the things that we are moved by. It's just that he's saying, if you will seek me, if you will seek first and most my presence, I will handle, I will take care of the other things that are of concern to you. Folks, listen, that only God can handle. We get to worrying about stuff that we can't handle. No way we can fix it, no way we can do it. He's saying, you do the human part. You look to me. You seek my presence And I step into the God part, and that is doing the things for you that you can't do for yourself. And I got to just, I got to read you this part in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Would you find that in your Bible? I want you to know that this this is in your scripture, and I want you to see, hopefully, the Lord gives us understanding as to how this pertains to us. Solomon has finished the temple. He's finished doing it according to the designs of God given to his father David, and David had put together many of the materials and amassed the workmen and so forth, but Solomon was the one to finish it. 
2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Now the word sacrifice means all things related to from that place of the temple that would be done by the priests and by the people that would minister unto the Lord. It, it could be the burnt sacrifices, but there were many other acts of service that were being done in that house. There should be a house of sacrifice. Verse 13, if I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and what? And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. But what was to become of this promise? When in 70 AD, the Roman legions came into Jerusalem, came into Israel, surrounded Jerusalem, tore down the walls, and ransacked the temple. What, what, what became of the promise regarding this place? This place I've set my heart. This place, my eyes are open and my ears are attentive. This place, but the physical place was gone. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What, Paul writes, do you not know that your body is the temple? of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Therefore, glorify God with your body and with your spirit, which are his. Do you see that? Every one of the promises that God made with regard to the temple in Jerusalem. Listed for us in 2 
Chronicles 7 are intended now to be applied to you as a child of God, as a living, breathing, walking temple of the Holy Spirit. Where on earth was God's manifest presence going to be found? He was everywhere present. But he said to Moses, between the wings of the cherubim, on the top of the mercy seat, in the Holy of Holies, there I will meet with you. Miraculously, by the mystery of the grace of God, where Paul would say, Gentiles, you got to understand this. The grace of God is a great mystery because now it is written, it is Christ in you that is your hope of glory. Not natural born Jews, having no natural legacy to Abraham, but by your faith in Jesus Christ, are receiving his grace, his mercy for you, your body now, not in Jerusalem, but your body now. Your spirit has become the place where God's spirit dwells on this earth. I'm going to take you back to these words again. Verse 15, 2 Chronicles 7. The Lord's speaking. And he's speaking to you. He's speaking to you as a depository of the Spirit of God. He's speaking to you as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered. Put your hand right here in this place. Now my eyes shall be open. And my ears shall be attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. My eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Can you see from that simple application of these words and bringing it into our lives how it just seems as if from the proper understanding of these Old Testament passages made clear from the New Testament that it is as if the heart of God is crying out, seek me. Seek me. He will say in Jeremiah 29, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Folks, what if it is? What if it is true that the Lord 
God of all creation, the God who stepped out into a sea of darkness and spoke his word and everything came into existence. What if that God who can create everything out of nothing is inviting you to step into his presence so that you can know of his strength, know of his love for you, but so that you can invite him to be a part of the things that matter to you right now and in this coming year. So that you can go ahead and give to him July and go ahead and give to him September. Lord, you're the king. Rejoice in your presence. But I want my life and the things that affect my life to be pleasing in your sight. Take my business in the direction that pleases you. Take the relationship that I can't figure out. Take it in the way that pleases you. David would say, commit your way unto the Lord. John 37. Trust also in him. Roll the things over onto the Lord. Trust also in him. And he says, and he will do it. He will do it. What if there is another place of effectiveness in 2018? Effectiveness in our productivity, in business, in relationships, whatever category. But what if there was another place of effectiveness in 2018 that we may never have touched before, but we touch it when we take literally these words, commit your way unto the Lord. Give your business to the Lord. Give your office to the Lord. Give what has been given to you, what is assigned to you, give it to the Lord. Trust also in him. Trust him. Trust him. It's not what we're saying, God, I'm trusting you to do this, and I'm trusting you to do it that way. It's just, Lord, here it is, and I'm standing right here handing this to you, and I'm just saying, Lord, I trust you. Whatever you choose to do, however you want to take it, I trust you. You see, we get, I think we get fouled up. But we, well, I got to trust him to do this. Or I got to trust him to fix it that way. No, you don't. Sometimes he tells us how to, what to believe him for. Sometimes he doesn't. And people are, well, what do you believe in God for? What do you, Pastor, what do you believe in God for? What do you believe in God for? And I look back at him and say, listen. If you're trying to get me to give you a laid out 15 point plan for what the next five years of Alamo City is supposed to look like, don't waste your breath. I'm trusting him. I'm trusting him. I don't know all of what he may want to do. I don't know all of how he may go fix it. But I can tell you this, in his presence is fullness of joy. And in that place of fullness of joy, it just helps me to know whatever he chooses is going to be good. You say, well, that's just not faith. That's a, no, no, let me tell you. Sometimes this thing, well, it's just not faith. It's trying to dictate to God and try to talk him into something that he doesn't have any intention of doing when the best place is just say, Lord, I, you're God, I ain't. And I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. There's not an ounce of you that isn't good. 
You've said that your kindness is over all your works. You're the way maker. You're the problem solver. You're the good doer. So, Lord, I just trust you. I just trust you. If, if, we, if we can get that down where it's an operating procedure early in the year, and when things come, and they will, new dimensions of old challenges, brand new things, But our default position becomes, before I start seeking a solution or seeking a consensus, I'm seeking his presence. I'm seeking him. He's not going to expect more out of me than he knows I have the ability to deliver. But as I trust you, Lord, I'm trusting your inexhaustible resources. Where I'm flat, you're full. Where I'm short, you're long. And in my business world, in my family world, in my sports world, in my academic world, at the beginning of the challenge, I trust you. I seek your presence. I seek your presence. Have you found this to be true? That other people are just royally upset with you. And I mean trying to just walk, think about just walk out of your life. You, you get to thinking from them that it would just have been better if you had never drawn a breath, you know? Life would have been easier for the whole universe if you had never come along. It's just striking. How often in those places of great contrasting emotions, the Lord will make the truth of his heart for you known. Where it may seem like everybody hates you, but in the middle, against that backdrop, stepping back into his presence, you hear the true story. You stay there all the time, engaged, and all you got ears doing this. You got ears listening to everything, all the, and you feel like you got to hear everything they're saying. Then you can become convinced that they're speaking the truth. Seek first, seek most the presence of the King. You know, He says, My eyes are open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place, that just makes you want to think, well, I want to give him something to see. I want to give him something to hear. He's ready. He's waiting. He's listening. He's looking. But we get so hooked into all this other stuff, and what if, what if this is it? And he's looking, and he's listening. And even more than that, his heart is in this place. His heart is in this place. Again and again and again and again and again in the life of Jesus, 
Mark chapter 1, verses 32 through 37. Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. And others not listed there. This is what you find. And when evening had come, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him, bringing to Jesus, all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. And in the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. That's just a code word for entering into the presence, enjoying the presence of his Father, doing what Jesus is instructing us to do, seeking first. Verse 36 says, and Simon and his companions hunted for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Seek first over the voices of those who would think they have to have us. We got to have you. Jesus... Jesus didn't tell him, tell him where he was going, how long he was staying, or when he'd be back. He left them to figure it out. But what was premium to him, what was more vital to him than having everybody with all their questions answered, and he satisfied everybody's expectations, what was more important to him was that he needed to be in the presence of his father. Now, folks, if it was necessary to Jesus, necessary for him, who are we? What kept him on mission? Was it Peter? Was it John? Was it the Pharisees? Here's what you need to do. Here's what you better quit doing. Here's what you better start doing. Who kept him on course? Where did he get his strength from? Where did he get his inner courage from? When everything on the outside was draining him dry, where did it come from? He was seeking first and most the presence of his father. There is rest and refreshing in that place. There is a clarification of what is true in that place. David says there's joy in that place. And Jesus says, you seek first, you seek most. The presence of the king, 
the pleasure of the king and the affairs that affect us, things we're concerned about, and the power of the king, that Acts 1-8, to fulfill the responsibilities, to walk out the duties and assignments that he gives us. Seek first his presence. Seek his pleasure. I give this to you, Lord. Turn it the way you want it to be. And then, Lord, I seek your power. I can do all things through the one who is giving me strength. Amen? Now, now that's, that's what this week is about. That's what Seek Week is about. Now, folks, nobody can seek for you. If there's going to be any seeking done, your wife can't do it, your kids can't do it, your husband can't do it, your mother can't do it for you. And you know, the thing is, probably as this year unfolds, there are going to be some things that whether we wanted to seek him at the beginning of the year or not, we by necessity are driven to seek him by the weight of circumstances. Why, why, not, why not be preemptive? Why not go there first? Why not let the love of Jesus that works in your heart for him be that which rules over and is greater in the motivation than you're scared and if we don't do it, I don't know what I'm going to do so far into the process. Seek him first. That's not always going to be, you know, that right off the bat it's going to be a 6 a.m. Jesus' Jesus' own example, sometimes it was at the end of the day. But it was the most. Seek him not just first chronologically, but most in terms of priority. That's why he'd stay up all night, pray all night, be with the Lord all night. You don't have to be legalistic about that. Well, if I missed it my 5.15 a.m. and I hadn't done, no, no, no. You seek him most. Some other stuff later in the day that you can adjust and set aside, and, and it's in your, your, your own point to seek him, to seek his presence. But even that's not supposed to sound like a task and not supposed to sound like, sound like we're striving to do it. It's, Psalm 4610 is relax, let go, step back, and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the things of this life. I will be exalted on this earth. The problem for some of us is that we almost feel like we're doing something illegal or immoral if we find a place of relaxing. We find a place of resting because we've got everything saying you need to worry about this and you better get that done and here's a timeline and what about this thing over here? And we never rest. Never step back and seek most his presence. So these short messages, first one at seven tonight, are only about 15 or 20 minutes long. The point is not to hear a preacher teach on this. The point is to encourage you to do what only you can do. And after that 15, 20 minutes is over with, that you, if you're watching it on the phone, listen to it on the phone, you, you do something with your phone so it won't interrupt, and, and you spend some time just in his presence. 
my eyes and my heart, my heart are there perpetually, he said. Lord, would you take us to this place? Would you take this beyond the hearing of the words and the volume of the speaker, but Lord, would you, would you take us to this place? Would you bring us into your presence, Lord? And may we find in that place great rest, deep peace, knowing that it is not wasted time, it is, it is priority and the best time. Would you anoint us, empower us to seek your face first this week? In Jesus' name, amen.